okay, nerds, don't freak out. Life got in the way this week between Free Comic Book Day, Thor coming out, our monthly D&D session, and Mother's Day. We didn't have time to sit down and do an episode this week, but what we did do was a fun crossover review of the movie Thor with our friend Matt from Movie Ha. So I really hope you guys enjoy this. Things will be back to normal next week. Swear to God, don't freak out. Please keep listening. We love you and we hope you love us. Sort of break it, break it down like good. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Two-Headed Nerd Comicast featuring Matt, Joe, and me, Matt. From Movie Ha! It's our first crossover, folks. Oh, we, snap! We went and saw Thor today, and we invited our friend Matt from Movie Ha to come and discuss the film with us for a very special episode, the first of hopefully many, unless it turns out this crossover goes south, and we end up killing each other on the last page. <laughs> so no BS this week, folks. At least not for this show, anyway. We're going to get straight to it. This is a short bonus program. Matt, since you're our resident movie guy, why don't you give us a brief synopsis of Thor? All right, let's get down to it. We have Thor. The movie starts out where we see the lovely Natalie Portman, her clumpy assistant, and her incredibly <laughs> old professor pal. Who was the clumpy assistant? What do I recognize her from? Uh, she was the girl from Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Ooh. I can't remember her name. Cat Dennings is her name. That would be why I wanted to kill her. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> we, we see them in the middle of the was desert. Was she Nick or Nora? Uh, I think she was Nick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she they're in they're in the desert outside of a weird made up town in New Mexico, and they're performing some sort of pseudo scientific readings. All of a sudden, we see a giant column of science clouds barf out Chris Hemsworth, and then the movie kicks right in. It's going to roll back then to give us a little interlude on where Thor came from. Um, giving us some information on the whole who is Asgard, how are these crazy space aliens actually are Norse gods, they fight some giant frost giants, then Odin gets real pissed off, banishes Thor to Earth, then some more stuff happens, but we won't go too deep into it because we want you to go (laughs) see the movie. So no spoilers here, folks, so feel free to listen in and have a good time. So what do we think, nerd to nerd here, what do we think of the, let's talk about the look of the film. Is this what you pictured for your Thor film. It was beautiful. It yeah. was beautiful looking. Uh, yeah, I thought they nailed it. I thought they absolutely nailed it. It was very Jack Kirby meets... I mean, like, it was there with the super science meets sort of the Norse stuff that they brought into it. Yeah. They, it looked very futuristic, yet magical at the same time. Asgard was amazing. Oh, it, yeah. it was gorgeous. Breathtaking. The first scene where the camera rises up out of the water and we... Ugh. Yeah, beautiful. The the set construction for Asgard was was incredible. It it really encapsulated the feel of this is an incredible science that we don't understand yet. It is somehow weird and mythical. They had a lot of classical architecture going on. You know, huge just statues of yeah, warriors. Yeah, the, the and, and sort I mean, of like techno Norse Thor mixed yeah. with the Jack Kirby. You know, like weird floating panels and yeah, stuff. It was, <laughs> it was really fantastic. Okay, so let's talk about characters. Let's talk about the costumes, armor, Thor. Let's start there. Uh, I liked I liked how everything looked in Asgard. I liked the feel of the Asgardians for their armor. I liked the way the Thor costume was set up. He didn't really wear his helmet a lot, which kind yeah, of he, made me a little sad. I was a little upset about that, too. Where was the winged helmet? Well, the helmet looked kind of silly. 
Uh, I, I suppose. I mean, I, I love the helmet, but I think for a whole two-hour movie with him wearing that helmet, I think we would have thought it would look ridiculous. I think for the most part, they did an excellent job of making the costumes look just comic book enough to look awesome without moving right past awesome into super lame, you know? Because <laughs> like, sure. it's, it's so easy to like for us to look at these guys in comics and go, man, he looks awesome in his like tight shirt and his tight pants. And then the second you see that guy, you go, pervert, you know? <laughs> like, I think they, they totally nailed it here. And maybe even a little too much. Matt had mentioned something. Yeah. And we should go into it right now. The one exception that I, that I felt towards the end of the movie... Without we, giving too much away. Yeah. We had, we had a scene where we had the Warriors 3 and Sif in made-up New Mexico town visiting Thor. And as they're strutting through the middle of town, all of a sudden... All of their armor and accoutrement, which looks fantastic in Asgard, <laughs> just it falls apart. All of a sudden, I find myself wondering, what am I watching now? What What is it this movie? It did suddenly look very silly. I will say, they do address it, though. Where, like, the other Don't people, say it, because that's a funny line. I, yeah, I'm not, I won't get off the line, <laughs> but where other people are standing around looking at them like, what in the... You know? yeah. So it is addressed. Well, But you know what? I didn't have that reaction. I, I mean, it definitely looked out of place. But maybe I was just used to it. Like, we've had so much time to get used to the Thor costume and how things were going to look that, um, you know, I, I early, early on I had complaints that they looked more, it looked more plasticky than, like, armor. I didn't think it did at all, though. I mean, this was early on, like, when they first released it, it's like, oh, God, right. it looks like he's wearing a toy armor. And it was probably unfinished effects. Yeah. And so, like, when I finally saw it on the screen, I didn't feel like it looked fake or bad. No, I thought so. that the, the hardest thing to nail was going to be the chain mail on his arms, making him look buff while wearing chain mail. And obviously it was CG, whatever they did, and it was like these interlocking diamond things that fit perfectly over his muscles. And... It looked great. Absolutely great. Speaking of muscles, people like freaked out about Here 300 and how totally stacked those dudes were in this. Chris Hemsworth... Here's where it takes a turn. ...looks uh, incredible. Like, he could throw Xerxes and those guys around, man. <laughs> like, he was ripped. Yeah, he did look like, very good as Thor. And he's huge. They nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. There were scenes in this where it was, no doubt about it, Thor. Like, straight up pinup of Thor, like Art Adams Thor, looking at me, holding the hammer, screaming, lightning striking it, you know, nailed it, absolutely yeah. nailed it. Uh, I thought that the Warriors 3 uh, were very well represented. Absolutely. Uh, I was a little sad that Volstagg was not fatter. Yeah, I wanted Volstagg <laughs> to be fatter. I wanted him to be comically fat, Yeah, but, you know, I'll allow it. It, it, they were still really good. Sif looked really uh, good. And uh, Idris Elba as Heimdall was amazing. Man. That guy's perfect. Tough. Yeah. <laughs> and Fandral, like, they lifted him off the page. <laughs> like, yeah. He was, He's, he was perfect. Yes, exactly. He, absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. um, Loki, I really liked the way they looked at it. The first time I saw the helmet that, you know, kind of with the shiny points instead of like the ram's horns that we see him wearing in the comics... I wasn't crazy about it, but it worked. I think it worked really well in the film. Yeah. I thought Loki was great. So let's talk, let's talk about acting for a minute it, while we're there. Because I think, in my opinion, Loki, absolutely the strongest part of this film. I, well, I, Loki was very good. Anthony Hopkins 
uh, as Odin was amazing. I mean, don't you think Anthony Hopkins can play Odin? Yeah, well, yeah. Like, Odin in his I mean, sleep. it's it's not like it. That's not like a revelation to anybody. Anthony well, Hopkins was really good in that movie like, he was show in. Show me Anthony Hopkins playing a boxer. But and I'll be like, wow, like there's there's there is a moment in uh, there's a moment in the movie. It's in the trailer. You see uh, Odin uh, shouting down Thor, like right before Thor gets banished. Uh, oh, and yeah. that's a really good moment, but then Loki interrupts, and Odin just goes, Yummy! <laughs> <laughs> In the theater, I, out loud, I went, Whoa! <laughs> nope. uh, but yeah, he was fantastic, Odin, and uh, yeah, Loki was an excellent villain. I, I thought, I'm going to have to agree with Matt. I think that Loki was probably my favorite character. There's a scene where Loki is confronting Odin about... Um, a revelation. We won't go into it, but yes. it is it is a essentially a, a fairly traumatic situation for Loki, and he's screaming at Odin, and like you can just see in his face how broken and torn yeah. up he is Absolutely. about what has just happened, and it was incredible. And then when he's having a confrontation with Thor in the very end of the movie, again he's he's coming from that same place of just these feelings of of lost abandonment and you can just see him being broken and and destroyed inside he's i think doing things that he doesn't necessarily want to do but feels that he has to do which is yeah and it's it was great they showed us time and time again not necessarily a bad guy but he's the god of mischief and my favorite stuff that he did was more in the beginning like earlier on in the film where we see him kind of gently planting ideas in Thor's sure. head. Oh, you'll which, oh, you can't man. do anything about this without defying father. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, what then? <laughs> yeah, it's perfect because that's the Loki we know and yeah. love, the uh, mischief maker. I like, I really liked that scene you're talking about, Matt. But I, I don't know if I would call it a turning point for Loki's character in the movie because really he's an enormous jerk from the beginning. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's just hiding I, it. I don't think that it's a turning point at yeah. all. I just think that it is. It is a point in the movie when. Uh, the you know we really see you know Loki hitting this this conflict and it's just incredibly well acted and again towards the end of the movie I mean it's it's fairly it's fairly obvious from the get go that he is kind of secretly pulling strings and and manipulating these events so you can't really I guess feel too terribly bad for him but it's it's not a you know oh no this is what made Loki evil. So right. So let's talk about the humans for a minute, and I think we know where I'm going here. Let's talk about Natalie Portman. Could have done without her. Yeah, weakest part of the film. I I disagree. Weakest part of the film. That's because you think she's pretty. Say it. That's say it, Joe Patrick. You give her a pass because she's pretty. Listen, I think Natalie. Look, I'm sorry she wasn't a shirtless blonde god. (laughs) I have no problems with Natalie Portman and I enjoy seeing her prancing about in movies. She's but yeah, I mean, my problem my she's problem been good in plenty of things. She I did not feel she was good here. Well, it wasn't it wasn't that I didn't feel that she was good or anything. I just didn't feel that her character even needed to exist in the movie. Like this this was this was a very epic story right. and it it was very much a you know retelling of a new myth, you could say and that that romance that was weaved into the story just didn't need it to be there. Too I fa- and it didn't feel right. No. Like, I, I realized I got to bring it down to earth, and I knew there was a romance coming because, of course, we can't have a superhero movie without a female love interest. 
But there was just some really clunky lines that she delivered, really clunky stuff, and I did not buy the reason Thor falls for. Oh, better yet, was there a reason? Did I miss it entirely? No. Nope. Because I kind of felt like, all of a sudden, he loved her, and she loved him. That's you know, and, and you have your obligatory, no, they're killing Thor, you know, and she runs <laughs> over to make sure he's okay, like, no, no, and she can't be reasoned with to leave his side. I mean, like... It's it's pretty much exactly how it Natalie happened. Portman... Okay, I wasn't a huge fan of Black Swan, but she was good at playing a crazy girl that went even crazier, which is what I tell Black Swan was, people what Black Swan was about. But when she's just playing, I don't know, an astrophysicist or whatever she is, running around going, yeah, but the science numbers say that the science means that the science is coming. I've been studying the science forever. I just... Hard to buy. Really hard to buy. You know, you and I have had this argument before about other actresses in other movies. Yeah. I mean, like, you don't... Can't, someone's got to play the character. I, and I get that. And I'm not... I'm they're not going to cast an uggo. I'm, they're not going to cast an uggo, but there's plenty of other actresses out I mean, there that I think could play an astrophysicist or a human being better than Natalie I, To address Matt's point about did her character need to exist, I, I agree that it happened kind of fast, but you had to have a reason why Thor cared and it's not going to be because he really likes the old professor guy. No, I mean, and I got that. I, I know. You're going to have to have a catalyst for the change, and Jane is the catalyst for Thor's change. Right. And and I, I got that, and I know they had to bring it down to earth. I just think it could have been executed better by a different actress. Natalie Portman just doesn't sell this stuff for me. She's I, a weirdo. I think they could have gone in a totally different direction. I don't think that they needed to specifically have a love interest. I think it could have been... Thor gets banished to Earth, you know, he meets up with somebody, old couple, weird, lonely guy, and through that interaction, he is shown kindness, makes a connection with humanity, and for that reason, he falls in love with humanity or, and cares about the planet and the people, not so much the right. singular person or on the, the planet. same lines, he falls head over heels for her because she's hot, and she's a scientist who's like, uh, you know what? You're like an alien or a god or something, and I'm kind of just interested in studying you. And he's like, I'll win your heart, you know? And that would have been even more fun, like Thor, con like, fighting for her and believing in her, and I'll come back for you and kissing her hand. And she's like, okay, well, we'll be sure to write that down and study it when you do. <laughs> you know, like, and everyone else is like, what are you doing? She he, turns to her dictaphone. Yeah. 6.15 a.m. He's a Norse god. He's, he's totally cut. you got to go out with this guy. And she's like, I'm a scientist, first and foremost. And what if he gives me cancer? What if he's radioactive? Come know? on, Matt. She's a, an irrational female. I, well, actually, as an astrophysicist, I would hope she'd be a little more rational, <laughs> I guess. I didn't have a problem with her. Uh... Let's move on, though. We spent a lot of time I'm, I'm complaining about Natalie Borman. I'm nitpicking. Um, I admit. What about the faithfulness to the source material? They were a lot more faithful to the comics than I was expecting them to Absolutely. be. Absolutely. Shockingly so. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I expected something more along the lines of Ultimate Thor. Kind of like we're getting with the Avengers. It's really more the Ultimates. Uh, but this Thor is the Jack Kirby... J. Michael Straczynski, yeah, Thor, full on, and it works though. I mean, if you look at it from, I'm guessing, I mean, from Kenneth Branagh's perspective though, with the this is a myth. This is a ridiculous story about these ridiculous gods that live in space and shoot each other around yeah. on a rainbow bridge. 
Let's just throw it in there. They embraced it. Deal yeah, they took it. it and they ran with it. Which is, I think, why it was so well executed. I, yeah, I, I agree. This was a, a fantasy, through and through. Straight up fantasy, highbrow nerd movie. And, I mean, like, they didn't pull any punches. It was all there. Yeah. And that, I think for so long, Hollywood has been pulling those punches. And, and you have these studio execs thinking, well, we can't give them... Asgard and a rainbow bridge and a bunch of Norse barbarians. Like, let's make him, I don't know, let's, let's say he was a science experiment. He was a professional football player. And everybody loved him, but then he fell on hard times. We got cancer. And a new cancer drug, which is getting injected into him by his hammer, makes him Thor, you know, or something. <laughs> and I'm just glad they were working for NFL Super Pro. <laughs> no, you're thinking, uh... Oh, it was Super Pro. No, I was going to no, say Kicker's I'm Inc. Kidding. It was not the origin of Super <laughs> No, that was not his origin. I was thinking Kicker's Inc. Sorry. <laughs> But I, I'm glad. I'm really happy that they went with it and just nerded it up for a change. Yeah, I agree. I was very happy to see it uh, remain as faithful to the comics as they did. Yeah, the world tree and everything yeah. in there. That's, man, fun, fun stuff. And I think they realize the closer that they stay, and, and this has got to be Marvel Studios at work, bringing in their guys to do this, the closer they stay to the source material, the better they're doing with these films. If you look at Iron Man, they changed some things and updated a bit, but that was really our Iron Man for the most part. Yeah. It sounds like, and it looks like from where they're going here, and I'm not going to give away anything, but they're building a continuity. They're yeah. full on building there were, a continuity. There were a lot of uh, Easter eggs for oh, yeah. comic fans in the movie, and we won't talk about what they are. Uh, I mean, let's if you really about, want to know, you can get about, on the internet because they spoiled one already, that has but. been on the internet for a long time. I don't think and we should. I don't know if I saw it or not. This is why I want to talk about it. The Infinity Gauntlet. Did we see oh, anything? Oh, no. So what was that? Was but, that a red okay. herring? To, to reiterate for people that might not know, uh, at Comic-Con last year, or a Comic-Con, I don't remember which uh, one. It was last year. Uh, right. At the Marvel Studios booth, in the Thor display, they had a replica... Version of the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, it was gold. It had gems in it. Here, <laughs> here's where I think the Infinity Gauntlet came into play. In the beginning of the scene, or in the beginning of the movie, there is this this armory in Asgard. Yeah, where yes. they keep all of the all of these powerful artifacts from different yeah, points in time that's that they collect. Oh, we're gonna see it right here. Yeah, and and, and then you don't. It, Exactly. And then the very end Easter egg, I'm like, they're going to show it to us right here. And then you don't. (laughs) I I think probably what happened is the Infinity Gauntlet was made and there's probably a scene that might have gotten cut from the movie that shows the Infinity Gauntlet in that armory. But I don't necessarily think they made the Infinity Gauntlet just to see the nerds twitch. See, and now I, I suspect that it might be part of the larger plan for the Avengers movie. Could be. Uh, but why not drop it in there, in their armory yeah. or something, you know? Or, I don't know, a few of the gems or something. I mean, yeah. Anything. Uh, but, yeah, there are a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Easter eggs, specifically a, a pretty lengthy cameo by another Marvel character that we won't spoil. Oh, it was cool. But it was totally it rad! It was cool. <laughs> well, I think we've really dug into it. Matt, on your show, you guys have a different rating system that we have. We uh, go by a, a buy it. Read it or skim it. I give Thor a buy it. Yeah, which doesn't really work here. So why don't you explain your rating system for the kids real quick? Well, at Movie Hot, we have a highly sophisticated rating system <laughs> that you may remember from elementary school. We choose to rate movies on a scale of A, B, C, D, or F. What? So take a second to wrap your brains around it. And Joe Patrick, 
if you were to rate Thor, how would you rate it? I give it a Q. A Q plus. <laughs> no? Uh, I give Thor an A. I thought it was really, really well done. Uh, I was excited for it already. It was better than I was expecting. Oh, yeah. Um, like, I, I, I was going in with high hopes. and I, I need to search my feelings and, and see how I feel, feel about it as uh, compared to how I felt about the first Iron Man. Uh, it's interesting you bring that up. But, I mean, it's close. I really, really enjoyed it. I give it an A. I'm going to give this one an A as well. I, I wasn't crazy about Portman in the film, but it didn't ruin it for me. There was definitely some ham-fisted stuff that went on that we've seen time and time again in every action film. But that's part of what you get when you go into these movies. You know, I'm sure fans of Fast Five will defend that. <laughs> the same hey, way. I heard Fast Five was pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'll, I'll give it an A. I give it an A as well. Matt Lockwood. I'm gonna have to go ahead and give this give this one an A as well. I I thought it was a great adaptation of the comics. The characters and the actors that they had portraying those characters came across really well. Um, I I was very pleased with the overall story of the movie. As you said, I could have done without a few things here or there, but overall, I feel like they have really gone a long way to crafting this. I'm really enjoying what Marvel Studios is doing with the essential essentially the movie continuity of the marvel universe i like what that's building towards i squeed quite a bit when i saw the credit cookie so stay after the credits people get at, that cookie at this point why is that like why do you have to tell people, people not know? <laughs> listen don't ever leave a movie before the credits are over because okay. you don't know okay so here we go instant reaction where does this rank amongst marvel movies where are you putting this? We're talking Marvel Studios. We're movies, talking Marvel not... Studios. We're talking the good stuff, not Punisher and Daredevil. And well, no, they, I mean Marvel <laughs> Studios, like things that have come out since a, Iron yes, Man. Yes, Spider Man. Those movies don't count. No, we're talking Marvel Studios movies since Marvel took the helm. Where are you ranking this one? It's up there. It's it's way up there. Jeez, I'm putting it just, and this is initial feeling. I'm going to see it again with my wife on Sunday. I'm putting it just below Iron Man one and above Iron Man two. Yeah, it was definitely better than Iron Man 2. And when I say just, I mean... Yeah, I think the reason why... The only reason why I would rank Iron Man 1 higher uh, is because it was just so wonderful to see Marvel. It was the first movie after Marvel took over. Right. And it was wonderful. And I was so elated. Uh, Plus, it's hard to compete with Robert Downey Jr. A little happier with the all-around performances in Iron Man 1 as well. But, yeah, it's it's a very, very close second. Matt Lockwood? I'm going to have to agree that until Captain America comes out, uh, then... Um, then that will probably take the top spot for me, but I, I would, I would put this as jostling across the finish line with the first Iron Man. See, we had the first, we had the extended Captain America trailer before my movie too, which I had not seen on the big screen. I'm not going to lie. Goosebumps. (laughs) Goosebumps. I tingle every time I see the trailer for that movie. I am so excited for it. I could pop. Excellent work today, Matt Lockwood. Thank you for joining us on our first crossover. Again, Matt is from the Movie Ha That's right. podcast. You, you can find us on iTunes. You can follow our Twitter at Movie Ha. And, uh, You've got a Facebook page? You can find us on the Facebooks as well. So we'll have a link to their site and their podcast as well real soon. Come and be our friends. It was beautiful to be here, boys. We plan on doing this all summer with all the superhero movies. Next time, we, Joe and I will be appearing on Movie Ha. 
as the second part of our crossover. This was the Spawn Batman to their Batman Spawn, if you will. <laughs> we'll let you make your own judgments. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on the internets at uh, TwoHeadedNerd.com, where like all they, our... I feel like they probably know that. <laughs> all our usual nonsense is there, links and etc. We won't bore you with all that. But, uh, so yeah, check out Thor this weekend. It was a really great movie. And, uh, yeah, any final thoughts? I don't think so. I see it. Love it. Well, we'll see you guys uh, real soon for episode 17 of Two-Headed Nerd proper. For now, this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. And me. (laughs) I got nothing. I didn't prepare... You really dropped the ball on your goodbyes lately. <laughs> All we ask is for a little racism, sir. 